Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 171. Let's roll. And uh, I hope you've all been tuning in. It's been a lot of fun. We've had uh, four straight, four straight, really dynamic college football Experts, dare I say? I mean, these guys really know the college football game, and we have been diving deep into that college football game with the likes of Felix Sharp, Ray Garvin, John Lobb, and Thor Nystrom. I mean, what a treat. Um, You know, I got the best seat in the house. I was listening to these guys and want to say a special thanks to them for gracing the airwaves. Each and every one of them was here for like two hours. They gave you a lot of their time. They gave me a lot of their time. They gave all of us a lot of their time, and I am so grateful for that. I want to send one more shout-out to someone who uh, has recently joined the team, and that's Travis Seal. Travis is, like I said, the the owner and operator of True North Fantasy Football and sort of teamed up with with me and Chalk and the boys and Tommy and the, the rest of us over at uh, the Undroppables and has been doing amazing, amazing work. As a matter of fact, his big uh, contribution has really been – just getting our, our YouTube page going. We've really ignored that for quite some time. And now it's, it's kind of popping. We've got a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and really all thanks to Travis seal. Who's just a, an awesome, awesome person, a great content creator and a dear friend of mine. And I am grateful for him. I just want to give him a shout out on the pod, but also to let you know that there's some really great new content on our YouTube page including a lot of new shows. Um, you know, we've got the the team-centric shows now, both on podcasts, which is on our Undroppables feed, as well as uh, on YouTube. These are cool shows. They're in their infancy, so give them some time. Let them marinate. Let them bake. These guys are going to get better and better at, at creating a great show. They're getting their feet wet. Some of them have done shows before. Some of them are brand new to content creation, but they are talking about your favorite team, Patriots, Steelers, Raiders, Giants, Jets, I mean, it is super cool, and there's more to come. Um, so, yeah, we're going to try and have a show for each and every NFL team. Uh, you know, we're having a hard time finding Arizona Cardinals fans, though. Joking. I don't know. Maybe not. 
Are there any Arizona Cardinals fans? Do they exist? I don't know. Anyway, moving right along. This week, after having all those four college football guests, I wanted to have a little bit of a home team show. Um, Kind of a special show. I'll reveal to you why a little bit later. But before I do that, I want to bring out my man, my partner, Mr. Chalk. My partner here at the Undroppables. Y'all know him at 101 Chalk, the Chalk. What's going on, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Always good to be hanging out, right? Just chilling and just talking, talking ball. So good to be crispy, back. crispy Mike. There, sounding good, homie. You know, I mean, I think we did pretty good last year. So you know, had a, had a splurge a bit. So here we are, 2024. You got, you got me. You got me out kicked here. You got the. You know, you got me all feeling in, inadequate here. I mean, I need to step up now. Yeah, it sounds like you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have you. We, you know, we we definitely wanted to have a show where where you and I talked about, um, you know, our process and you know where we're at right now and a lot of the things that we sort of think about, talk about, and where we're at with our rankings. I mean, we're we're only in the infancy, and I would certainly preface this entire show and really everything that that we do at this particular time as being quote unquote early in the process, and I wouldn't. Go so far as to say, okay, well, you know, what we say now is like the way we feel forever. I'd start by saying for me, and I know for you as well, we're not the biggest college football fan. So it's not like, oh, I know the college game in and out. This whole process of scouting and trying to figure out who we like, who we don't like, what we like about them, what their utilization is, all these things is starting now, not not fully cooked. We're not even putting it in the oven yet. So right now we're just talking about the ingredients, trying to figure it out. We do have some takes, that's for sure. And you know what was kind of cool this this offseason? I don't know if any of you guys seen the movie The Gremlins. You ever see that movie, Chalk? Yeah, that was like one of my favorite movies as a kid. Gremlins? It's like all-time favorite. Bro, and it is, bro, it was, is a Christmas movie. It's, it's a, a Christmas underrated movie. Christmas movie. It's underrated a Christmas, movie. Christmas movie. I don't remember the rules. What were the rules? You can't what? Feed it after midnight. You cannot feed right. it after midnight. What happens you if get you feed it, it after midnight? Oh, yeah. They, if you feed it after midnight, it turns into a monster. Am I right? Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. What was the like other they, rule? They go into the egg. You yeah. can't get them wet because yes. they die, right? They, they, no. they burn. They melt, right? No, no. They, don't they? No. You know what, what happens when they melt? When, when you get them wet? What happens when they get wet? They multiply. They multiply. That's right. They multiply. They multiply. That's right. It's been that long, man. It's been so watch that million times too. The weirdest thing happened, Chuck. When you we were on our last podcast, I spilled a little water on you. Did you know that? (laughs) Did you know that? And lo and behold, out popped a little baby whiz. Did you know about this? Mr. Dan Wisner is like the little gremlin child of Chuck. And I am proud to announce and to introduce your little offspring, Dan Wisner, the little gremlin. What's going on, Dan? Welcome to the show. Dan is the newest, most awesome partner we have at this uh, on on the uh, at the Undroppables. I'm super excited to bring him on, Dan Wisner. What's going on, Dan? What's going on, guys? Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, looking forward to hopefully living up to that gremlin status here, but. Um, after listening to you guys for a while, it's really cool to join. So really excited to talk through I some mean, prospects. You got you. a nickname. You yeah, got a nickname off. That's the for top. sure. I mean, yeah. 
little little uh, little gremlin. But listen, you are unbelievable. I love you. Um, you know, it, it really is. I mean, me and Chalk have talked a lot in in the past about how, like, when we were dancing in the streets of Twitter and talking about fantasy football, it was always the Spider Man meme. Well, this is the three headed Spider Man meme. Wiz, you have been just awesome and a breath of fresh air, and I absolutely love you. So, welcome to the show. Dan has done a lot of um, analytics with us, but he's he's just a third leg of this tripod, man. And, and especially when it comes to the process of player evaluation, I think you know you you fit right into what we're doing. Um, and so, I, I just want to give you a real shout out. I mean, the Gremlin thing is pretty fucking funny. But you can find Dan on Twitter at DeWiz underscore FFB. And I know a lot of you who do follow him love his work because he is putting out some fire uh, content on Twitter. And uh, you're going to see where that's all coming from. And he's going to help me and Chalk sort of share this class from a data standpoint as well as, you know, from a, from a you know, uh, a textured uh basis in other words where do these guys fall historically and all that stuff we're going to do all that and more right after this welcome back to the program thank you so much and uh you know it it, it's already shaping up to be a great show one thing i wanted to do too is um you know they're backed by popular demand we do have a a listener league there's going to be another one so i thought about how i was going to do it i do want the uh, the listener league to be filled with actual listeners. So I'm going to, you know, give you guys a, a sort of a keyword. And, uh, and then in the next show next week, somewhere along the line, I'll do, I'll do it again. And so basically there'll be a little phrase, like a little thing. And basically I'll give you the first one. It's called, it's Gronk. So the first part of what you need to know is Gronk. And I'll tell you the rest of it, uh, you know, next week at some point, some point during the show, and like, you know, after I, uh, after I say it, as soon as you hear it, you can like, you know, tweet it at me or DM us or whatever the fuck I'm going to have us do next week. And like the first 10 people are going to play against me and chalk in the next listener league. So that's how it's going to go. First part of the phrase is Gronk. We'll see what the rest is next week. But, uh, so yeah, cheerio, we're going to do a fucking listener league. Have at it. Um, you know, I, I, I do want to talk about our, our process though. And, um, maybe, maybe, uh, I'll ask Wiz a little bit, you know, give me a little bit about how you sort of look at the class in general, when you first start a little bit about your process and, uh, you know, and, 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 and what you think about that just in an overall sense, 30,000 foot view. Yeah, no, I think, you know, for anybody that does follow me on Twitter, um, as Jack's kind of was alluding to earlier, uh, I'm a pretty data driven guy. Um, so I definitely start there, um, just kind of look and see what story the numbers are starting to tell. Um, you know, I'm not a film aficionado by any means, um, but do look for essentially cues, right? Cues in the data to, to point me in the right direction as far as film goes. Um, but yeah, pretty much analytics based and then kind of work through that. And I mean, I think a lot of what we've done recently is look, numbers are showing us one thing. Let's kind of talk through it and, and see what it means. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Chuck, what about yourself? What is your sort of, I mean, cause you know, you and I do have a different approach. I think, you know, when we sort of start uh, each, each off season, because we're sort of interested to see where each other's at. I think I, I probably go uh, ahead of you a little bit, especially cause I have the show and I kind of have to. Um, but if you're just a player, you're, you're in no rush to have a, a, a take, right? I mean, that's kind of been your, your MO. You're like, I don't need to be first. I just need to be right. Is that kind of how you are? Yeah. 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 So, um, 
when you're kind of going through how you you know you had some of the best guests over the last few months and you know for us you were talking about how we're just starting our process and i was like really nodding my head because you know we're still like two months away from the actual real draft right the culmination of this process happening you know a lot of these people who are in the trenches in college football you know 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 and been following these these players for the last three four years right and when it's all said and done, me and you probably looking at these players for maybe three, four months, right? Yeah. Like realistically. So we're, yeah. we're real early. And, you know, from my process, yeah, I'm very late to the party on purpose because I like to see, I like to kind of see all the noise and all the hype and I don't have any feelings, right? I'm just kind right. of seeing it. Um, and I'm listening to your guests, you and your, your guests, like honestly, like setting the table for me, uh, you know, the Felixes, the Rays, the, the Johns, the Thors, really setting the the table or the tone of this is who I saw at the senior bowl. This is what I've been seeing over the last few years. You know, these guys see the Mike traps and, and the best part is there's conflicting opinions, right? Someone say, right. might say Devonta Walker is great. And the other guy might say, Tez Walker is going to be a bust. Right? right. And I heard that. We two heard different that. takes on. Yeah. yeah. We heard that. Right. So just as an example. So for me, I started taking that as like, okay, cool. I'm getting familiar with these guys. I'm going to watch some tape, right? Like this whole Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison thing got me really interested. So started yeah. watching some some tape, some highlights, right? Talking to Angelo, um, just right. getting a feel. And then, and then I started looking at the data, right? So I'm looking at, you know, obviously the anatomy. I wait for the Jacks to put out his anatomy. And I, I really feel that the way you built that out, it's very sound process because we're looking at it from a really a risk-based approach, yeah. right? We're looking at data and we're using data, but we're not using it in the traditional sense of, oh, I'm trying to predict the future because honestly, right. that's a fool's errand. It, that's like predict. That's like you literally trying to guess the roulette numbers because you figured out some algorithm or some regression line. That, to me, that's just a fool's errand to try to yeah. predict based off of just numbers. You, for, and the way we've taken it is adding this game theory element, right? Adding this risk risk management element because, you know, our backgrounds come from whether it's negotiating or understanding game theory or managing risk, you know, strategic. and balancing. Yeah. yeah, strategic, balancing competing factors, yeah. right? Um, so that's kind of our process. process. And, and that, well, I think that's well, what I do. I keep also- waiting. Yeah. Chuck, also, we don't we don't sit there and go, oh, the process is perfect. That's it. We've got the thing. We're done. We're the best. We're the smartest. It's actually the complete opposite of that. That's why we're not so married to it. You know, the whole idea of the anatomy was also more of a reflection of, you know, what's going on rather than trying to predict anything. It was more like, look, this is what it looks like. And, and you can tell me more. And then in terms of trying to figure out what is going to happen, sometimes I look back and like, I look at two players, like, um, Sky Moore and uh, Jalen Rager, who were you know kind of darlings of the fantasy, but also these were first round and second round picks in the NFL. It's not like oh you fantasy guys got it wrong. Like a lot of people got it wrong. The Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles got that shit wrong too, you know. And it's like so what happens is is I look sometimes at some of the like they'll be like uh, the, the 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 models where they, there's the you know the the graph that shows where all the players are, the spot graph or whatever it's called. And I'll look to see where players like that land and what were their like inadequacies in college that maybe we should have been looking for signal in those data points, right? That maybe we weren't, even if it's obscure, I'll just sort of take that in and go, interesting, you know, um, 
Jalen Rager didn't score very well in this particular thing. And I'll, I'll forget about that because I don't really care what, what Jalen Rager did, but I'll, I'll take that, that data point and then apply it and go, huh, I wonder if that's something that we should be looking at. And that's how, it, you know, that's where Wiz kind of comes in because he's like, yeah, let me look at that. Right. And, and, and Wiz, like, what are some of the things that you found, some of the, some of the stats or metrics that you found that, you know, we have started to utilize a little bit more? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the ones Chalk brought up a really good point, right, is is going yeah. into this thing with an open mind and yeah. and not having take lock early, right? I think that's super important. Um, and the other thing that you just mentioned, Jax, is, is something that it kind of points you in the right direction, right? Looking at the graph and trying to understand why people are there. Um, yeah. And then that's where we go to the data points, right? I think... To your point of, you know, what are we kind of relying on now? I think one of the ones that we found pretty useful is, is some of the first down data, um, you yeah. know, whether it be first down per route run um, or first down per target. Um, you know, I, I'll even go as far as referencing that with first down per snap as well. Right. So if somebody's on the field, yep. do they just need more playing time? Something like that. Um, but a lot of times what I've noticed with some of that first down data stuff is that, look, studs get first downs, right? And yep. we've kind of seen that play out and it we'll see, but we think we may be able to find, you know, maybe some guys that would have flown under the radar previously um, be brought to the surface a little bit. Yeah. I mean, well, case in point was a player named Puka Nakua who, you know, when we look a little deeper at him, you know, he had some, raw data that wasn't that good, but his yards per route run, his first downs per route run or first down per any metric was really almost off the charts. I mean, he was really, really successful. And, you know, we weren't necessarily looking at that as closely as we are now. I call it the Puka Nakua stat just because it's like, here it was. I mean, he was also targets per route run, right? So he was a heavily targeted player. Now, some of that can kind of go away. And uh, you know, he was maybe the best player on a bad team. Sometimes you can, you know, you can see some of those things. And and that's why everything comes with a grain of salt. There's no magic, like, um, metric that's like, oh, no, this is the one. Just t- t- take all the guys with this, you know. But it does tell us a lot about what type of player they are. In other words, a guy who's earning targets at the college level is very likely to earn targets at the next level, um, you know, especially if he's playing with high-level uh, high level uh, competition both on his team and, you know, uh, on the other side of the, uh, of the field. So yeah, that's some, some of the stuff that we definitely found. And um, yeah, there you go. I think Chuck. one of the, one of the other cool things is that, yeah. you know, when you think about the first downs, right. Those are, you're going to those guys in the spots when you absolutely need it. Right. So you, yep. those guys can be relied on. And typically those guys have a good grasp of the offense. And Puka Nuku is a perfect example of that, because what do we hear from day one? As soon as he got to L.A. with Stafford and Cup, he immediately grasped that offense and was able to contribute right away. Right. So I think that's it, it also kind of shows their football level of IQ and their ability to kind of understand as they move from college into these more complex NFL offenses. It probably also takes into consideration like a, like multiple like a dot a dot sort of gets you know sort of bled into first downs per target and first downs per route run because if you're catching the ball further down the field and on third down you're likely more likely to have a first down on those targets so it's kind of interesting uh, so it's sort of target share a dot you know right all these things kind of get folded into that one so it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, you know what's super interesting too is you know first downs are actually like I mean, if we're talking about like you know being predictive or you know indicating like signal right first downs absolutely right it's it's very 
is very predictive uh, and it's sticky over time. Um, but if you look at something like ADOT, which is obviously baked in, uh, yeah. ADOT is like one of the least correlating like stats that you could have, right? So it's really, it, I guess what I'm trying right. to say is we have to look at it from a much bigger picture to really understand that, hey, there's going to be certain metrics that might not indicate much signal on its own. But when you put it together with the entire picture of what we're looking at, a la an anatomy of an archetype or yeah. like this is an alpha and this is kind of what the entire makeup is because let's be honest if there was a magic formula to know 100 percent of the time or 98 percent of the time that oh yeah if you use this metric then you automatically gonna know who's right. gonna be good then yeah. why right. are we even doing any of this right like right like none of this would be well, necessary that's exactly right right, right? like it, yeah. really if there was magic bullet or hey these are the three you know, correlating statistics or metrics that we use and that's all we need, then everyone's wasting their damn time. Like every that's single right. w- website out there is a waste of time. These databases are a waste of time. But no, we keep mining this data and we keep playing around with different configurations because that's the only way that you're going to be able to see the big, the, the full picture and make the decision that's going to be the most likely not to blow up in your face. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? I mean, we're not trying to, again, predict anything. We're just trying to not have it blow up in our face and yeah. figuring out, do I do I want to be wrong holding the bag or do I want to be wrong just missing out you know, on that boat? Um, yeah, and it's not like so. the NBA or NC, like, like basketball where it's like, dude's a good shooter. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? We like If you're a good three-point shooter, it's like, yeah, you're a good three-point shooter. You shoot 400 of them or something. We're dealing with a small sample with a lot of irregularities, different you know play styles, different level of competition, uh, different quarterback play. You know, kind of jump ahead, but a guy like Keon Coleman, he didn't have a lot of catchable targets. So now a lot of his metrics may fall down a little bit. He played with a shit quarterback. You know, other players play with a, a really awesome quarterback, and all of a sudden they get steamed up or whatever. So it's it's irregular. It's not like you know a three pointer isn't a three point you know isn't a three pointer in the NFL or or in football. It's it's there's 11 players. There's a lot going on down in distance um, weather. I mean, come on, man. There's just so much in a small sample game that does uh, change the the data. But when we start at the top, we usually can get the top right. Um, you know, generally speaking, when you see elite, you know it. You know, nobody was like, oh, I'm not sure about this Bijan fella. You know, we kind of just know he's great. And so let's start at the top of our rankings because I think there's intrigue right at the top. I've heard there's a lot of people who are willing to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at the 1.01 in Superflex leagues. Look, it's early. We don't know landing spot. Obviously, you know, right now everybody's dreaming of dream landing spot for every player. Every player's going to land perfect, you know. Whenever you say what if Marvin Harrison lands with the Patriots, everybody goes, "Oh my god, what about it's like you know, like you, you know, they're they're despondent about it. But if we can just imagine everybody lands with an eighty percent outcome, you know, landing spot. Um, what are your guys' thoughts about the very very top of the draft um, and what we're doing with that? I mean, for me, Superflex. I'm still going to go with Caleb Williams. I think he's a pretty like solid, really really good prospect. I mean, looking at you know, his numbers, he seems extremely safe. And if I'm at the 101 and I'm in Superflex, I mean, he has a chance to be 
a top five quarterback in Superflex yeah. one day. Like he has that potential, right? So yep. I need that, right? I need that. And uh, at worst, I feel like he's going to have a Trevor Lawrence, like, you know, <laughs> super hype, maybe have a right. couple down years and he's still valuable. Trevor Lawrence, you still are yeah. drafting him at the back end of the first round, early second round of Superflex startups, right? Like even after... Right. What three seasons of not that great? So not that great. I'll take Caleb Williams. Yeah. You know, but look at a Jalen Rager, like we just talked about, or you just mentioned, right. right? One or two bad seasons. You know, Nikhil Harry, you're toast. Like you're toast. Yeah. What do you, you think, know? Wiz? So yeah, I mean, it took 26 minutes for the Spider-Man meme to kind of come in effect. There, I was literally having a conversation probably about an hour ago, um, and it was around Trevor Lawrence and somebody was saying, you know, do I go ahead and take Marv? And one of the things that I kind of was just talking through was like, look, you can, you can be right on Marv and Caleb may not pan out as well, you know, as you might've hoped, but look at the insulation that you've gotten with Trevor Lawrence, right? To Chalk's point, he really hasn't been great. And what he was, even as up until last season or before the end of the year, he was go- still going in the first round. He's still going, I think in the first half of the second round right now. Right. So, I mean, even with that subpar performance, I think you're just so insulated with that quarterback position in Superflex um, that, you know, I, I'm probably leaning the quarterback and Caleb as well. Well, that, that that's probably the right move. And I and, and also there's uh, data and, you know, we look at the overall first overall pick versus first round picks at the quarterback position. The hit rate at the first overall is way better than, you know, top 10, top five, top first round you know i mean it is that much better it's basically a coin flip after the first overall pick but the first overall pick which we're assuming is going to be caleb is that much of a higher hit rate too so okay great well now the question would be what are we doing at the two three is it a drake may um conversation drake may Jaden daniels or is it a malik neighbors marvin harrison jr conversation what say you Wiz? I've thought about this quite a bit. Um, if I'm in the 102 and I am in a couple leagues, um, I think the first thing that I'm trying to do is is see what the appetite is for that 102. Um, yeah. Because per- personally, I you know I do like Jaden. I'm a Pats fan, and honestly, I'm kind of rooting for that after what we've had to endure with Mac Jones a little bit. I would love an exciting guy on Sundays. Um, but what I re- would really like to do is is take that 102, see what the market is, and try and move back, pick up some more assets, and I'd be f- more than happy moving back to whether it's 104 and trying to get Malik neighbors. Um, And that's, I I think it's a preference there. I think both guys are great, but if there's an opportunity for me to pick up an asset where I feel, you know, neighbors and Harrison are, are kind of on that same level. I think that's kind of what I'm looking to do because you're insulating yourself a little bit at the same time. This is really where the Spider-Man meme kicks in because it's the trade back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Am I right, Chuck? I mean, the trade back, I mean, Good grief, you know, and and here's the thing is like, you know, it's it's easier said than done trading back from the 102 when Marvin Harrison Jr. is on the clock, you know, when he's there, when he's able to be drafted. That's when I'm going to try and do it, you know, and if I'm in a one, if I have the 1.02, I'm going to wait till I'm on the clock and I'm going to wait at that moment to, to see exactly what the fervor is for that pick, because that's when you're that's when someone's like, dude, I could pick him right fucking now. I can do it right now. I can just. Make the trade and pick them. And so that's when I'm looking to make that trade. I'm sure you guys don't disagree with that, but I do agree that it's probably a pretty flat. It was interesting. I think we had a guy who asked us, like he had like the 
102, 104, 106 or something like that. I can't exactly remember. And uh, he was like, what should I do? And it was a pretty interesting conversation because it was like, maybe, you you know, maybe you take, or, or it was 101, 103, 105 or something like that. Either way, the point is the game theory in there is like, you know, you want to make sure you don't lose a quarterback or you don't lose either neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr. You want to get sort of all that, you know? And I was like, at, oh, it was 101, 103, 105. And I said, take um, take Caleb. I mean, yeah, take Caleb. And then the 103, if you stay there, obviously, if you don't trade, I was like, take neighbors or Harrison, and then there'll be another quarterback there sitting for you at 105. You can just take whichever one is there, whether it's, you know, May or Daniels, uh, you know, so you make sure you don't miss out on a, on a wide receiver there. So there's a lot of game theory there, but I'm, I'm with you guys. I think trading back from the 102, because I think that sort of top five, uh, is is pretty flat actually. I don't. I mean, so far, you know, it's, uh, assuming that both May and Daniels get top five uh, draft capital. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually in a tough spot in one of my leagues that I'm rebuilding. Like, and it's it's coming to a head. I have 101, 102, 107, 109, mm. and you know, I have uh, Lamar Jackson right as like my kind of anchor quarterback. You know, I'm figuring Caleb as like you know, what the 101. 102. I I don't know what to do with that. I, I'm seriously yeah. stressed out. Like I need, I need Malik, you know, or or Marvin Harrison Jr. Any one of those two. I'm trying desperately to move into like 103, 104 somehow with using like yeah. my seven and my nine, or you know, hopefully I don't have to give up both to move up, right? But it's in, I have like 201. I kind of have a bunch of seconds, and I'm trying to work with the maybe, guy. Maybe a maybe a 102. Hey, 102 and 109 for like 103 and a 25 first. Ooh, you like that's you not like bad. That yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Because, because the, so, so yeah. Now the guy after me, so the guy, so I have 101, 102. The guy after me has three and four. Mm. So it's like, mm. it's like, so he doesn't want to. So we're kind of like in this. It's a true game, game theory where, yeah, it is right. And yeah. and he's actually interested in maybe even trading me one of those picks, but he's gonna want to draw blood, right? He's like, dude, you got a lot of capital. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you pay for it, you know. But yeah. imagine coming out there with Caleb, Malik, and Marvin. It's like, dude. I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My body's ready. So so yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting interesting situation. I've been I've been stressed out about that situation itself. Of course, if you can move back, I mean that's the ideal situation. You know, you or, have to be or ready. Or in to that like, situation too, yeah. one oh seven and one oh nine for one oh three. Yeah, yeah. I that's, I just don't want to do that. You know, I know that's that will get it done. I just don't want to give up that hmm. much. I don't know that that's a problem. Because here's yeah. the here's the thing. What's one on like honestly the the bet we're talking about it now, uh, JJ McCarthy. Here's the other. Here's the here's the look. You're oh. gonna wait till you're on the clock because here's the thing. That 109 107 range 107 just increased in value, right? Because of all mm. this JJ McCarthy news. So right this second, the 107 has gone up in value from where it was a month ago because of JJ McCarthy top ten quarterback. Because if there's four top ten quarterbacks. J.J. McCarthy moves himself into 107 consideration, which, of course, increases the value of that pick. He also moves himself into potentially, dare I say it, over some of these wide receivers. We've seen it done before, like honestly over neighbors, where neighbors could fall somehow, which would be freaking out of control, or Bowers or something like that. So the the 107 increases in value with more quarterbacks um, you know, going early in the first round. I also have heard some rumors about Bo Nix. I don't love him as a prospect necessarily. I don't think any of us do. But if he somehow gets that 
draft capital, all of a sudden the 109 sort of increases in value if you sort of see what I'm saying, right? So, you know, where we think there's sort of a flat um, curve after, you know, after the sort of the top seven, if you throw in Romadunze there, all of a sudden those picks at, you know, eight, nine, 10 get a little bit more valuable if they shove some quarterbacks up there um, in, in a super flex. So interesting. Yeah, I mean, I literally just made a deal based on that kind of same assumption, Jax, right? So I traded uh, JSN and the 107, and I wasn't wasn't thrilled about moving off the 107, but I got London and the 110. And the reason why I was doing that was because of the gas that JJ's, JJ McCarthy has been getting recently. And yeah. even if I don't want to take JJ, that pick's got more value. So it, it just allows me to be a little bit more flexible. I think it's a pretty good trade. I'm just a London guy yeah, too. Um, so, yeah, no, we talked about that yesterday, Wiz, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that was a good move. I think that was a good move. Okay, so you know, while we're here, let's talk about neighbors Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay, we've got our we've got our data guy. You know, Wiz, tell the people why the numbers say that Malik Neighbors could be or should be or is our wide receiver one in this class. So one of the things that it's been making its rounds on Twitter a little bit. um, So if you've been paying attention, you've probably seen it, but his ability to make people miss um, is something that's pretty real. Um, And for somebody like Marvin Harrison, look, I think Jax, you used the word pterodactyl on the outside. He absolutely is that. Um, It just feels like in this NFL with, you know, all the motions that we're seeing, almost like to some degree with some of these offenses, right, that you're seeing with McVay and McDaniel, that you're, you're seeing a little bit of positionless football. And I feel like Neighbors gives you an ability to win on the outside, but he's also this chess piece that can just absolutely wreak havoc in the slot, um, make guys miss. And to me, that's why he's a little bit more enticing. The reason why I say that is just because I think he's got a higher floor, right? It's somebody like that that has the ability to make guys miss and just doesn't rely on winning on the outside. Um, I think they're both great players, but you know, if I'm on the clock, I'm, I'm probably going Malik neighbors strictly because of that, you know, that higher floor. And what are some of the numbers that show us that he is, you know, um, really, really solid um, after the catch and also, you know, dominant at the same time. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, missed tackles forced per reception um Malik neighbors at the top of the class at you know 31 percent, right 0.31 um and in conjunction where you look at you know where marvin harrison is he's barely breaking 10 percent, right so there's a stark stark difference there as far as the ability to make people miss and win after the catch um so he's breaking and, three times as many as many tackles per reception as marv right yep exactly and when you look at some of the yards after catch stuff um, there's some of that going around too, where, you know, you really want to see your wide receivers have, you know, at least about six yards after the catch. Um, sometimes it can be a red flag if, if you're kind of under that number, um, and you have neighbors coming in at 6.6 yards after the catch there, whereas, you know, Marv comes in at five, one right now, look, some of this could be, he played with McCord at Ohio state. Did he get used the way he's going to get used in the NFL? If he lands in the right spot, that's absolutely fair. It's just what we've seen up until this point. Malik has shown us that he's, you know, he's able to be a little bit more kind of that chess piece. 
Yeah. One of the other things we look at is that, you know, the first downs per uh, route run as well as yards per route run. Um, what do you see with both of them and how do they stack up against one another in those two metrics? So that's where Harrison definitely comes back a little bit. Um, you know, when you look at Harrison's first downs per route run, um, you know, 13.68% of the time, uh, that's where he's coming in at and neighbors is just under 13, right? So he, Harrison definitely makes up some ground there. And when you look at where the first downs per route run is, I mean, Harrison's number one in the class, right? So if we're calling it the Puka right. Nakua stat, yeah, right. So if we are, um, there's, there's a lot to like there. Um, but again, it's not like he's blowing neighbors out of the water. Neighbors is right behind him at 13. So now you're talking, all right, he forces three times as many missed tackles, but he's also doing the same stuff from a first down per route run perspective. That's where you kind of start to talk about, all right, this dude's floor is, is something else. And, and in, in, um, in yards per route run, they're, they're both really good, right? So um, what do we see there? 298 is where Harrison comes in at right now. Um, and this is career numbers for these guys throughout college. And then Neighbors comes in at 2.83. Um, so again, really strong. Both guys right near the top of the class. I think what's really encouraging for both of them um, is their ability to win versus man coverage as well. 3.28 man yards per route run for Harrison. And we've got you know just about 2.85 for um, Neighbors' career. I think where I look at neighbors and, and Jax, I think I heard you talking about this with Thor the other day was the amount of zone that's being run in the NFL right now. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's again, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs here. Harrison comes in at 2.94 zone yards per route run for his career. Neighbors is up at 3.13. Um, so, yeah. uh, again, like these guys are trading blows here. Um, but it the, the way I look at it is it's it's kind of tough to find a soft spot in Malik's game. Um, whereas if you wanted to say there was one black eye for Marv, it's it's probably some of that after the catch stuff. Yeah, exactly. They're both awesome is the answer to the to the riddle. But you know, maybe uh neighbors was flying under the radar. I don't think he will be for long. There's a lot of buzz. I think um Lance Zerline had him as his uh wide receiver one. We sort of talked about that last week. There's been a lot of talk. I think you know, there's a non-zero chance that, you know, Malik Neighbors is the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. That's, you know, that's not a foregone conclusion. I put it at, you know, maybe 10, 20% chance he's the first wide receiver taken. I still think it's definitely, you know, Marvin, if, if you're betting even odds, but the odds are not even. That, let's just put it that way. Um, so, yeah, you can get some really juicy odds uh, on Neighbors' first wide receiver taken. Um, and we also know that basically – Wide receivers taken in the top five or ten picks of the NFL draft very rarely fail, especially when they're early declares with the profiles that these two have. So we really just have two awesome uh, wide receivers, and and I'm ready to make you know Malik Neighbors my wide receiver one, but not because um, you know I want to be cool or something. You know what I mean? It's just it's literally that close. And when you watch him, he just sort of seems like he does a few more things. Um, Let's let's move on to um, – I think we should talk about it. Just the Brock Bowers conundrum. I, I You know, the, the, the combine's coming up, and I don't like to talk too much about tight ends until I see how big and how fast they are. You know, Wiz, you and I were talking earlier today, you know, about tight ends and about some of the, the things that they um, – uh, 
some of the things that they do in college that actually translates for them in the pros. And it's, it's not very sticky. So ultimately we're just looking for signs of who they are. You know, uh, Laporta last, last year was not the tight end one. As a matter of fact, he wasn't even really the tight end two. He was the tight end three or four in most drafts. Uh, he was drafted sometimes even into the third round a lot of the times in rookie drafts. So everybody has revisionist history. Like they all knew Laporta was this guy. Yeah, we liked Laporta, and I certainly was ready to move him all the way up. I, I, you know, we talked about this, you know, we have it on wax, but he was not. And so what were some of those things is like missed tackles forced. Um, Bowers, boy, oh boy, man, he looks like the abso-fucking-loot real deal um just yeah. such a stud out there in open space um i have some questions about his overall size and therefore his overall utilization he might just be that good. like he might be better than jsn as a slot receiver which is fucking crazy it's actually possible like this guy is so flipping good what chalk what are we doing with brock bowers like what are your like just like thoughts. Cause like I, I have, I, I balance two things. Like the thing that we always talk about, don't take tight ends. And then this dude looks fucking legit. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard, right? Because this is like the, the feeling that we had last year with, you know, Dalton Kincaid getting steamed up quite a bit, right. Even maybe in front of players like Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers, uh, and I think, you know, I think when we see it now, I think, you know, the argument can be made, oh, you know, that's, that was a kind of a worthwhile endeavor. Although, you know, we know that Sam Laporta was really the tight end one. You could got him a full round later. I feel like with this class, and again, I'm still early in terms of like evaluating and figuring out, you know, what my first round even looks like, you know, even from yeah. a rough draft standpoint. But knowing that, knowing the information I have now, I'm, I can comfortably say that, I would definitely rather have Brock Bowers than, I mean, anybody after like Roma Dunze, right? So like that's yeah. kind of the cutoff for me. And I probably prefer, depending on the format, if it's a full full point premium for tight ends, you know, I probably I would consider Brock Bowers even before Roma Dunze. Um, but I think I think you have to kind of place Brock Bowers at a premium, even if it's not a tight end premium league, given this class because. Mm-hmm. He just looks like, like you said, special talent. I mean, his production is just insane. You know, like it when is. you really stack it up, you know, like, I mean, his his career production is just like, it's like double like the next guy over. It's it, yeah, it's just ridiculous. You know, so just looking at that, and again, looking at not just his production, but just overall body of work, how he pops on tape, you know, uh, how he plays the game, just all of that. You know, I'm I'm comfortable taking him in the first round and probably. You know, like I said, in that six seven range. You you know, Chuck, I'm like Mr. Anti tight end early because of all the reasons that we've stated over the years, you know, over and over and over again. I I, I think I'd take him almost over Roma Dunze, even in a non tight end premium. That's how good I think this kid is. And and I know that <clears throat> that's like his like ADP, so I'm not like breaking any new ground. But I know that when you hear that, when some of my listeners hear that, our listeners, whatever they kind of know that that's a bold take from me because I'm usually not so interested in taking tight ends in the first round of a rookie draft. That's how good he is. And in a, in a super tight end premium, you know, one point premium double, you know, double PPR type of thing. I honestly, I'm my head's in the blender because that's a really big advantage. And if he is this sort of slot weapon, and if he's that good after the catch, 
he's going to give you a lot of value uh, at the at the next level, especially when we think about you know zone on the uh, you know zone being run more on the defense, more wide receivers, lower a dot, like just run after the catch. Like he's sort of just you can just sort of feel like he's different than than Kyle Pitts as a prospect insofar as like Pitts sort of profiled as more of an outside player. You know, I, they they misused him. We'll see if that changes going forward. I mean, the the, the Kyle Pitts story isn't fully told. Uh, I think he's even – Kyle Pitts is like younger than all the other tight ends in, in last year's class, like literally. Um, yeah, he's younger than Kincaid and everybody. So like he's still got some growth to go. But with Bowers, I just think he plays so much differently than, than Pitts does. You know, he's more quicker than fast, and he's probably the fastest tight end. He's going to run – he's going to be so good, dude. And if he's just big enough, you know, then I don't know how crazy I could get. Um, he's – I'll say this. He's going to go 1.01 in some super flex, super tight end premium leagues, guarantee it, book it, no doubt about it. So, you know, with that type of steam, obviously a lot of us will be out just, you know, because you don't have that pick. Wiz, what do you see here? And, uh, you know, I'm talking crazy. Talk me off the ledge here. It's kind of hard to, Jax. I mean, when you look at, so one of the things that it just kind of puts it into perspective, like how different this guy is, 2.65 yards per route run for his career at Georgia as a tight end. Harrison was 2.98. Neighbors was 2.83. And then Bowers would slide in amongst all wide receivers and tight ends right behind those two guys, right? So in any other draft where you don't have these aliens up at the top for wide receivers, he's probably coming out as the yards per route run leader at tight end, right? So, And the other thing that he's doing on top of that is he's hitting that Pukanuku Puka Nakua metric as a tight end too, right? 11.9 yards or first downs per route run for his career. So when you just look at his body of work and what he's able to do, um, you know, I've I've used the word chess piece a little bit with neighbors, but I mean, if if Bowers gets lands in the right situation, that guy's going to be used all over the field. Do you have do you happen to have his missed tackles force data in front of you? Because we know that that was very indicative of success for players like. Sam Laporta, you know, that was the thing Laporta's superpower was breaking tackles. And, you know, obviously it's a, also reflective of your athleticism when you're able to do that at the college level. But it, it also tends well to, you know, making guys miss and then gaining more yards as opposed to being a catch and fall down tight end like so, so many. Um, do you have that that handy? Yeah. So one of the things that I took a look at, I went down a tight end rabbit hole last night was trying to find some correlation of, you know, what what makes some of these guys stand out? Um, and when you take a look at, all right, let's put a minimum on routes run. So let's throw it at 250. Let's throw a targets per route run at, you know, let's call it 20%. Um, that's where you start to see some of these guys pop. So I think, Jax, we were talking about this a little bit earlier today, was that if we were looking at this sort of thing last year, Laporta came in with a missed tackles of 0.345, um, which is, it's... Bowers came in at 0.321. So that kind of puts it in perspective of, you know, how good go. Laporta was at that. Um, so, and the thing is with Bowers, I mean, he's got a season of 0.321. He's got a season of 0.196, which was his low. Uh, and then he's got a season of, you know, 0.24. So this guy is yeah. consistently making people miss. Um, but yeah, it, it really does seem like missed tackles forced. So it's just another notch in Bowers' belt, right? It, it, there's really yeah. not. Outside of the size concerns that you've mentioned, which I think are valid, 
Um, I would argue, though, that when you start to look at some of the NFL now, like, you know, guys like Laporta, guys like McBride, guys like Kincaid, you are seeing more of those teams be open to the move tight ends. Um, yep. So I do, we're probably in an environment where he's more ready to succeed than in past NFL yes. seasons. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. We're going to have to think long and hard about it because it's a conundrum because you know, your, your yards per route run stuff about him being like third in the class, dude, Chuck, yeah. how sick is that dude? Yeah, that's, that's pretty wild, man. Love it. I mean, lo- lo- you know, if I just the, called him a wide receiver, you'd be excited. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If I said he was JSN, you know what I mean? Like this slot guy, you'd be like, all right, let's just fucking take him out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just just because he's a tight end. Like, it's like, oh, I'm not that excited. But to your point, right, we need to continue to adjust, right? Maybe traditionally it's we don't take tight ends in the first round in rookie drafts. Fine. Right? But every once in a while we have to adjust, right? We have to make those adjustments. Um, And we just kind of move forward. Yeah, I'll be looking long and hard at that one for sure. Uh, Let's see. Where do I want to go? Okay. Uh, Let's go here. Wide receiver four. I I will say briefly that I think Roma Dunze is kind of on an island of his own. I don't really think that he's Malik Neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr., but I do see enough in his game and in the data that probably just says that he should just be the wide receiver three. Um, I'm not going to... I, I may regret this take, but I'm not like super excited to draft him. Am, am I maybe, what do you guys think of this? I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying like, maybe I'm lukewarm and I don't know how to get a little, he's not making me hot. I think he's going to be a solid NFL him. receiver, right? Tell, yeah, tell me, I mean, I, I think he's going to be solid. Yeah, yeah. Go, I mean, yeah, you can jump in, boys. But I think he's going to be a solid receiver. Um you know, I don't think he's going to be like anything spectacularly elite or anything like that. Um, but looking at his numbers, I think he does compare favorably or at least somewhat favorably uh, to the elite two, elite two guys, and then yeah. uh, even you know guys you know below him. So I think to Jack's point, he's on the island on his own. Probably not thrilled at like, oh, I'm like jumping out of my seat to draft him. Although, you know, and I'm not, not going to say he's this player, but in terms of like solid player. You know, we'll be in the NFL for, you know, several years, you know, playing, starting. Um, maybe like a George Pickens type where it doesn't really excite much people and probably going to feel like overrated by many. Um, but I'm not I'm not comparing play styles or anything like that. I'm just saying the vibe I get uh, from someone like Roma Dunze reminds me of like a George Pickens. What, what, what are your reservations? Actually, I'm, I'm dying here. N- no, it's it's. Along those same lines, um, I, I think one of the things that we love about Pickens, right? Me, not personally, but the fantasy community, his ability to make sick contested catches, right? I, I think that's one. It's basically his calling card, right? Um, and when I look at some of the stuff with Odunze, look, I think he's a great player as well. Um, he does have more contested targets than I'd kind of like to see. Um, you know, typically anything over thirty percent from a contested target rate just kind of outlines maybe you're not the best separator. Now, look, the dude can high point the ball. He can win. Um, but, you know, when you look at somebody like, you know, Troy Franklin, right, the highest contest- contested target percentage that he's had in his career is 22%, whereas, you know, Odunze had a year at 56%. Um, mm. Again, I think I think he's really smooth. Uh, I do think he's going to be a solid player in the NFL. Um, I do worry about what 
his does he have true elite ceiling? And my guess would be if you know if if you had to ask me if he did or not, I'd probably say no. But he's probably going to be a guy that you can start on your fantasy team for a while. I just don't know if he's a foundational building block. Dude, I, I that's the feeling I'm getting. It's like there's just a little bit too much contested catch to his game. Now, here's the thing: it's not like it, he, he does sort of catch him, right? You know, I mean, he, yeah, he, he is making those catches. He's really, really good at the catch point. Like, the, you know, we heard Thor sort of say, you know, the thing that he's probably best at in the class is like, you know, tr- ball tracking downfield. It's like it is true. It's like these, you know, and then you sort sort of start to think like, well, maybe Michael Penix is really good at throwing those balls too. I don't really know. Like, it's just interesting, you know, because we talk about the environment. He, let's put it this way. I'm going to ask you it this way, Wiz. A lot of his metrics are like similar to Keon Coleman, except Keon Coleman played in an awful environment for passing and Romadunze played in a fantastic environment for passing. I know that's simplifying it, but how much of that is true versus how much of it is Romadunze is way better than Keon Coleman like where do you think that 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 goes I think Keon I guess when I think about it is I don't necessarily look at Rome relying on straight up athleticism to kind of win right I think he's a smooth operator um I think he you know I'm not saying he's not athletic he'll probably run a good time um but I don't think he's like one of the standout athletic wide receivers in the draft whereas I when you look at Coleman I'm not a Coleman guy, but he makes some splash plays where, you know, he's hurtling guys, he's juking around guys and then hurtling guys. Like you can see the explosion in his game. Right. Um, yeah, there's, there's just an inconsistency for me there. And look, yeah, I think you, you made a good point, Jax. Some of his situations were not conducive to, you know, for wide receivers to perform. Um, but after doing this for you know just a couple of years now and just kind of seeing some examples, sometimes the data is trying to tell us something, and sometimes yeah. we just we want the film to tell us something different. Um, and I found that w- when I am in that position, I'm usually going to lean towards the data telling me because you know I I don't I'm not the best film guy, right? Um, yeah, right. No, but, absolutely. Yeah, we split the, the difference data, with the data is- with the metrics. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, and the data is telling us. I mean, if we're comparing Roma Dunze and Keon Coleman, I mean, we're looking at like you know the like the yards per route run, targets per route run, some of those advanced metrics that we've been talking about. I mean, they do favor Rome. Of course, completely different environments, right? Different offenses, but all right. I mean, the numbers still tell us something, right? So, and and they're in different tiers, and maybe Keon Coleman is the the value, right? The arbitrage kind of play. You know, if you're looking at you know similar type of player. Some of have a numbers for the most part. Um, but, you know, I still think like Roma Dunze is, you know, at least a tier above Keon Coleman, uh, if not two. Um, I mean, when you, I just you, you started key, this conversation wanting to go, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, Chuck, real quick. When, when I look at Keon and I, I just don't see one season kind of hitting that, even getting near that. Puka Nakua metric, Jax, you know, his first yeah. downs per route run for his career were, you know, 8.85. Um, and that to me, just, I struggle with that a little bit. So, you know, I'll, I'll bring up a name of a player who had similar metrics, but here's the thing. This player sort of is an outlier so far in and of himself. Third year breakout, um, played with an elite quarterback mm-hmm. here this past year. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yeah, I do. Nico Collins. Nico Collins. So yeah. Nico. Nico Collins had the same type of 
uh, first downs per route run. Now, I will ask you, his his uh, yards per route run, Nico Collins, was also below the, the anatomy threshold. He was at uh, 2.14 yards per route run for his uh, college career, and his best season was 2.31. But that's better than Keon Coleman, isn't it? What was Keon Coleman's um, yards per route run? So for his career, his best. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Chuck. Oh no, his best wasn't it like two point oh seven or something for his yeah, best season. So. so his career's got to be lower than that. It's yeah, do you have it in front of you? Then. Yeah, yeah, his best season was two oh seven, um, but he came in for his career at one point eight seven. Yeah, see, not good. Not even two, not good. Um, not good. Because the 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 only player who had a uh, you know in the anatomy right. So I just did the anatomy of a, of an elite wide receiver, and we went twenty two deep, right? So we went twenty two deep because I wanted to pull in some of these you know Nico Collins, Rashi Rice players just to sort of see you know maybe don't be so snooty in the in the club. Let a few other guys in this year, and so we did that. And really, the only guy with a with a below um, you know two was DK Metcalf uh, for his career at 185, but he had a year of 283. So he did have a sort of a, a ceiling outcome in one season, you know? So there, it's really hard to find. Even, like I said, Nico Collins, 214, 231. Uh, the rest of the guys are all well, well, well above that. So, you know, no matter the prototype, whether it was a T. Higgins who was 337, 367, like huge yards per route run. You know, you look at – or even a Amon Ross St. Brown who – kind of underwhelmed a little bit was two one one and two six five. You know, it's like no matter where we look, we can't find anybody who's done that, who's been successful. And for those reasons, it's really hard to like these guys as a potential upside play. However, Mr. Wiz, there is an Alpha X who does have some of these uh very lovely statistics. And we found that we both have him as a top seven or eight wide receiver mm. in this class. Will you be so kind to tell the lovely people who our little sleeper is, who's no longer a sleeper because everybody seems to love him now? Yeah, he's gotten pretty gassed up here over the course of the past week, but it's Mr. Javon Baker. Um, no, I mean, when you look at some of his stuff, he really pops off the page from an analytics perspective. Um you know, I know we talked at Chalk, you kind of brought it up earlier about how a dot is not sticky. Um, but for somebody like him to, you know, have a season at 17.1 a dot and still have some of the efficiency that he did um, is, is pretty damn impressive. Um, when you look at some of his, you know, kind of career numbers, 2.53 yards per route run for his career. And you want to talk about ceiling. He had a, he had a year where 3.61 yards per route run. Right. And mm. I think w- one of the things that's encouraging about him is, you know, where I don't see with somebody like Keon, right? Like Keon, 1.93 versus man for his career yards per route run and 1.84 versus zone. So it's not even like he was, you know, three versus zone or one versus man. When you look at somebody like Javon Baker, you know, coming in at 2.25 versus man, 2.85 versus zone. So he shows that ability to kind of eat the zone. Um, and look, he's a he's a bigger guy. And if he runs a good time at the 40, I, I just really think some Giddy teams up. are going to fall in love with him. Yeah, exactly giddy up and, and chalk here's the game theory i look we're still early and we're having this podcast so of course everybody's going to steam him up but right now he he's like a i don't know fourth fifth i mean certainly a third round rookie pick you know nobody's you know got him uh, in the first or second round so however we see keon coleman going late first round in many a mock so you know if if that type of adp were to hold 
Javon Baker is 1,000% the arbitrage, you know, Keon Coleman, A.D. Mitchell play. And we didn't even get the poop on A.D. Mitchell. And the same type of data is around him. But what do you think about the idea of, you know, leaning towards a player like Javon Baker late and taking that type of prototype there as opposed to, you know, reaching for Keon Coleman early? I, I love that. I love that take. Yeah. I love that idea. Um, you know, as as was going off about Javon Baker, you know, what my eyes started going towards was, damn, he's this big and he's he's eating up the zone. Like literally, that's what like, I was looking at, right? And then and then Wiz drops it, right? Because, I mean, you know, a guy like Malik Neighbors, right? Explosive game breaker, you know, can destroy you know any zone coverage. Makes sense. Javon Baker, like you would say, like okay, this is a big guy. You know, he probably dominates man, like, you know, plays outside and your typical alpha X. But the fact that he could also play against his own and be basically moved around anywhere in the formation, I mean, he might be, you know, that chess piece type player that, you know, we, we, we love to have on our teams. And then, you know, bringing back that kind of prototypical X, you know, body frame on top of that. So um, really yeah. exciting prospect, especially at like a, the third round. If you're getting him at like the third round in rookie drafts, even, um, I mean, he's going to be a smash, smash value. Yeah, we, we both Wiz and I both like as I was doing my rankings, just looking at the data, you know, looking at, you know, as much film as I, I could have so far. I haven't watched every player, but we both sort of arrived with him at, at wide receiver seven or eight. And of course, he's nowhere near that value. And, um, you know, so that was exciting. I do. I did notice, though, you know, Thor Nystrom loved him. John Lobb loved him. Um, you know, Ray G you know, loved him, but also said he, you know, thinks he's the greatest player, uh, you know, unironically. I think that was Thor. Like everybody had this sort of like, oh, I saw Cody Carpentier, um, you know, uh, player profiler, you know, it was like he's the leader in the clubhouse to be the number one in the dog rating, D-A-W-G rating. You know, he's got this dog rating. So like this guy is like kind of like the guy, you know what I mean? And so when you talk about asymmetrical upside too, when you see the metrics there and then sort of that narrative kind of fits into, you know, recruited by Alabama, you know, kind of a troublemaker in terms of like just getting along with people. Look, we've heard that before Odell Beckham and, and Chad Johnson and you name it, man. There's a lot of, a lot of successful wide receivers in this league who have been, you know, a little mercurial. So I have no problem with Javon Baker's sort of past, as long as, you know, I'm not having to pay, you know, a a top eight, you know, rookie pick, which you won't have to, you know, he's going to be a late second at the very steamiest. I feel like, you know, and even then we like him a lot. He, He feels a lot like a, like a Marvin Mims type player for us last year, you know, poor one out so far, but, you know, we had him as sort of, ranked higher than every sort of everybody else did. You know what I mean? So we could just nab him at value every time at the, you know, end of the second, early third. And I feel like, you know, Javon, Javon, I almost say Javon Walker every time, which kind of cool. Like, I, you know, but Javon Baker will be able to grab him there every single time. It's, it's wheels up. Maybe just maybe Javon Baker will be our, our wide receiver four. you think, no, I'm just joking. But who do you think the wide receiver four is Wiz is Wiz? I don't know. We're going to have to work on that one. But who do you think the wide receiver for is? I've I've gone back and forth in this quite a bit. Um, but I will say in the last week or so, um, it's kind of started to solidify for me at least a little bit. Um, I have yeah. Troy Franklin at four right now. Um, I just, I really like his game. When you look at 
some of the if from an analytics perspective, you know, he really also kind of pops off the page, right? Um, you know, 17.5% missed tackles force per reception. So nothing outstanding, but also nothing to sneeze at either. And he's got a season in there, of, right. you know, 21%, which is like what you want to see. Um, and, you know, for his career, when you kind of talk about that first downs per out run, 11.8, right? Like we want to see that. So he's making plays there. Um, and then, you know, when you talk about how he wins, um, this is kind of where I got excited about him. 2.49 man yards per route run for his career uh, and 2.6 versus zone, right? So you, I, I, I just think you're seeing a balanced receiver that can win in multiple ways. And those are the guys that I want, right? Those are the guys that give you the higher floor um, and guys that I'm much more likely to take a shot on rather than, you know, like an AD Mitchell or, you know, I, I like Brian Thomas. I just feel like, Franklin's a little bit, a little bit safer there. Yeah, right. So Brian Thomas kind of has that upside as well. Maybe the the guy we like out of the A.D. Mitchell, Keon Coleman, Brian Thomas group certainly is uh, Brian Thomas. But you know, he Javon Baker is you know knocking on the Brian Thomas door more than those other two guys in in, in our opinion anyway. Brian Thomas. Tell us a little bit about where he falls and what your sort of, if you have a concern, what it might be with him analytically, um, you know, and usually the, the analytics sort of tell the story of the type of player he is. It's kind of interesting while you're looking that up, I'll talk about Troy Franklin. You're right. Like, you know, 17% or 20% missed tackles force per reception is really good for uh, Troy Franklin because he sort of pigeonholes himself in, in some people's minds as a, as a go deep only guy. Right. And so that's where we want to see, you know, more than a Miko Hardman. Right. We want to see, you know, more than a Jalen Hyatt. We want to see a guy who has a little bit more nuance, who can win in multiple ways so that he can earn more targets. You know, and I think some of the data is showing that Troy Franklin could be that guy. Certainly, if he's closer to that type of a player, his physical gifts will will certainly carry him the rest of the way. Dude is fucking fast. Um, Brian Thomas, also fast was very prolific in this offense. I've got some thoughts about the Jaden Daniels uh, stuff here in a moment, but tell me a little bit about uh, Brian Thomas from an analytical point of view. It's He's he's a tough one, man, because he, he does some things that you look at and you're like, all right, like missed tackles, force per reception. Career, he's almost at 22.9, right? So, I mean, and he's got a season in there, you know, where he had almost 50 targets and – it's he's at 32%. I mean, that's neighbor's territory right around there, right? But then you when you start to kind of peel it back a little bit more, all right, first downs per route run, 8.32% for his career. Um, and then when you kind of look at the breakdown, right, man versus route run, man yards per route run, sorry, uh, 1.74 for his career and zone at 1.97. Now, look, he did pop this last year, uh, specifically against zone, 2.7 uh, this past year versus zone. Part of me does wonder how much of that was defense is kind of looking at neighbors and maybe Thomas gets free reign a little bit. Um, and also LSU's defense was so bad. So they were just throwing the ball all over the yard every single time. Yeah. Um, so it he's a bit tougher for me. He shows some things. And when you watch him, like the way he moves at his size is exciting. Um, but there are a little bit of red flags for me. Yeah. I've got this sort of take brewing on Jaden Daniels and your Patriots, you know, fandom is not going to like it. 
Okay. It's not that I, I, I haven't watched him play. And this is a little bit of a narrative based um, take. It's not a film based take. It's also a data based take, right? So it's sort of narrative and, and data. He, he was throwing the ball down the field and he was throwing dimes down the field. He's got a great deep ball. When you hear um, any analysts talk about the, the Jaden Daniels film, they will say, dude can drop a dime deep. He also had, I, there was a, I think you had seen it, uh, you know, how, how often a guy holds the ball longer than two and a half seconds, what's his scramble rate, and then what was his, um, um, you know, pressure to sack rate uh, ratio yeah. at that point, right? So he actually was sacked at a pretty high rate. He, he was nearing the Justin Fields sort of uh, region with his pressure to sack rate um, and was also a pretty high scramble rate. So what I think he was doing in a, in a lot of situations was like he was just holding the ball, trying to let Thomas and neighbors fucking get deep. And if if it wasn't there, he could yeah. scramble. He had a, he scrambled at a very high rate when he held it more than two and a half seconds. So I think a lot of times he was like just trying to hold, 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 look for the deep shot. If not, fucking escape and run fast. And I think – that actually makes sense. It's almost like playing like a video game. If you think about it, like if you're playing a video game and you have Jaden Daniel, like, yeah, 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 just go deep. And if there's pressure, I'll just fucking run away. You know what I mean? Like literally you do that. Yeah. You're like, this will work perfect. I'll, I'll dominate. And when he's playing, you know, from behind needs a lot of points. Cause his defense is shit. He's playing against, you know, when I say inferior competition, I mean, inferior to the NFL, right? Uh, the college game, has linebackers who can't fucking run with Jaden Daniels. You know what I mean? But the NFL game is littered with linebackers who can run with Jaden Daniels and safeties, right? So it's like D linemen, right? The, you know, Aaron Donald can chase him down, whereas most D tackles in college are helpless. So he can kind of play that, that, that game in college. And I think some of that is lending towards, you know, maybe a little bit of, neighbors and Brian Thomas being, you know, so, so good analytically, you know, what they have, like each had 17 touchdowns or some shit. So it was just a little galaxy brain of me thinking about what Jaden Daniels sort of MO was. And the concern then is I don't see a lot of Jaden Daniels, one, two, three ball out, one, two, three ball, not a lot of uh, CJ Stroud, you know what I mean? Timing, boom, on time, on time. You just don't see that. I'm going to watch a number of games of Jaden Daniels uh, when I have the opportunity, probably tomorrow, actually. And I want to look for that because it's a, like I said, it's a half-baked idea, but it, it just stands to reason that this was, you know, he, he's got a deep throw percentage that's very high. All this stuff sort of lines up analytically. I just want to watch the tape and see if I see it. I have not seen a ton of just sort of on-time, on-target throws from Jaden. And I don't mean none. I just mean not a lot. No, I think I think you made some really interesting points about how he would hold the ball and look for that deep kill shot, right? And I think that shows in the numbers from his receivers, right? Obviously, Brian Thomas Jr., you know, benefited quite a bit from that. Yeah. And I, th- I think I think the whole point about you know CJ Stroud on time on point. I mean, that's why we loved him, and that's why he was you know, um, right. you know we were drafting him wherever we could because. We knew that that type of processing and that type of ability to read the field and read the game, that translates really well, and that results in you know potentially elite production. The one thing about Jaden Daniels that has intrigued me is not the Konami, of course, right? That's that's the upside, but 
there was there was something that I read somewhere or someone that said something about how he's developed like every year. And I think it was maybe yeah. on someone on your show that came and said like every year, it might've been Ray, like every year he's improved like dramatically as a thrower, as a, as a, yeah. as a player, he's developed. Thor, so, Hey, Chuck, Thor said the thing where they have that, like, um, that, um, like fighter pilot simulation thing where he fucking aced it. Remember? I don't know if you, if you remember yeah. that one. Oh yeah. Like, he sort of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 He's got yeah. this thing where he became Neo is what he said, which was just awesome. Yeah. Fucking love Thor. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Thank awesome. God for Thor. Nitro. Exactly. But, um, Hey, look, that's what I'm saying. Maybe he's that too. I'm not saying he isn't. I was just thinking a little bit with the data. Oh right? yeah. So anyway, Keep going. No, no, and I and I, th- and I think I think that's like, like I said, I think it's a valid point that's challenging my this kind of that's thought right. that I've been having that oh he's developing and maybe that's something exciting to kind of not I don't know because there's always a part of me that just gets worried about we're just we're just pumping up these the late Konami guys too, right? because of the Konami yeah, yeah. right yeah the late yeah. breakout you know and then I'm like and then I just I, I'm like and then on my helmet scouting I'm like oh the late the last yes. LSU quarterback that had a late breakout was. Joe Burrow and he had these two weapons two like Jamar. Teams. Yeah, so it's just like ah, oh, you know. So it's like it's it's messing with me because as much as we don't want to think it and we don't want that to like invade our process, we're humans, right? And that yes. that type of noise enters yeah. the process, and it's up to us to obviously figure out other data points to kind of erase or neutralize any of that nonsense, right? And figure out the signal. And you just made some really good points. I, I think my my whole bottom line is you know it's duly noted i think you point out a really important factor that hey like the way that the lsu offense it's sec and competition aside you know the way the offense is run based off of Jalen Jaden daniel's skill set you know maybe they hit a few things right maybe maybe, maybe it was hiding some right. things that you know maybe, that's yeah. right yeah it's like the ready to be wrong thing it's not like i'm like my big take isn't that he sucks you know what i mean like yeah. It's just like, how, how does the shoe drop or whatever? How does the, you know, where's the trap door in Jaden Daniels? Because like, he looks so good analytically. And, you know, of course, like you say, the, the Konami floor floor and the Konami code upside, right? The floor and the upside is both there with him. And the fact that he likes to throw the deep ball. It's like, dude, a Konami player with a great deep ball. Like what more do you have to tell me? Top three NFL pick, like, yeah. dude, say no more. I am fucking in. And then it's like, wait a second. Where's the trap door on this kid? And, and of course, looking for it, I just look for the on-target on-time. Look, it's always third and eight in the NFL, right? It's like I've said it a million times. Like, if you can't do that, it, it won't be long. It won't be long. Wiz? I think one of the things that you've said there, Jackson, I think the first word that comes to mind is he plays out of structure a lot, right? Like, there's there's kind of a there's a bit of a craziness to his game, right? Um, and it's exciting as hell to watch. Um, and that's probably some of my fandom coming in here after watching Mac Jones for the last couple of years where, look, give me a guy on Jesus. Sundays that, that, that I'm excited to watch again. Um, but I think it's, I think it's valid because look, we've seen guys not be able to ri- rely on their athleticism at the NFL level. Um, I do think he's pretty close to like Justin Fields, right? Where there's probably yeah. a nice yeah. floor there with, with that, um, with that rushing ability, but also like, it's going to be like, I know he throws a great deep ball, but it's going to be a work in progress from like that. Let's call it three-step drop ball in ball out, like yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Um, Jaden Daniels could lose his entire left arm in a car accident. And I would take him over Mac Jones. Yeah. Like literally like 
he just have to take the center snap like kind of in a weird way and like he can't stiff arm because he has no arm right he just has to sort of pat it against his body and throw it i take that guy over mac jones is that weird <laughs> not at all i think you, the thing you know what's too, funny when you, I think, yeah oh. no go, go ahead, ahead. I, was, I, was, I was just gonna say i think the thing that i think about with Jaden, right is that yeah look ar landed in like the perfect spot last year yeah. Somebody with like a Steichen, right? Yep. I don't necessarily think there's a QB whisperer out there right now other than Steichen that that at least comes to mind off the top of the head. But he seems like a guy that is very reliant on, look, if he ra- lands in the right place, I think that ceiling is is crazy high. But that floor is also crazy low. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And I, th- I, I think, mean, yeah, I think you bringing up Fields and Anthony Richardson, it's like, really interesting to me because that's why I, I had CJ Stroud ahead of Richardson last year. That's why I didn't really believe in Justin Fields. And if you go back to like a year ago when me and Jax were talking about Anthony Richardson for the first time, you know, the big knock that we had against him before the combine early in the process was, you know, if you don't perform and win at the NFL level, doesn't matter if you can run around and get a hundred yards and rushing every game if you're not winning because the team's going to replace you. And we're seeing that potentially with Justin Fields right now. Uh, and that's exactly why we're scared of these prospects that who are, you know, a little bit unconventional and, you know, uncanny and, and their ability to like make plays and to like, you know, have this like insane ceiling. But, you know, for me that it's, it's pretty scary. And now that I think about, you know, the, kind of going back to our conversation about the two and the three and the four and the rookie draft, you know, I'd probably take Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. over Jaden Daniels 10 out of 10 times as of right now because I know those two receivers are going to be really safe. And I don't think Jaden Daniels about. is going to have the insulation that Caleb Williams has. Like, it's a different type of totally prospect, yeah. right? You know, and the insulation yeah, yeah. is not the, there. The, so. the ceiling, the ceilings, they're equally high. The floors are not close. Yeah. Yes, 100%. 100%. Good way to put it. Yeah, be- yeah, because, I mean, you know, you say ceiling. Okay, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Oh, that's a nice ceiling. I like that. The floor is like, honestly, what's the floor for, like, Malik Neighbors? Like, DJ Moore? <laughs> yeah, right? Like a like a <sighs> WR2, WR3 for a few years and it explodes, right? <laughs> and it has, like, some really it's good like, years. It's literally, that's like, like Marvin Harrison Jr. is like George Pickens. It's like George Pickens or DJ Moore. But the floor for these other guys is, um, is like, Trey Lance, Josh Rosen, or something like that, right? Yeah, I, I when I look at these two guys, I think the f- the floor conversation that we're having is valid. Um, Chalk, one thing I was going to ask you was since we've been kind of going back and forth, right, with that, with you saying that 102, 103, 104, say you get to the 105, right, and you've got Daniels and May there. What are you doing? Daniels and May, I, I I'd still yeah. prefer, I still prefer Daniels over May, I think. Okay, you know, just yeah, because because I feel like May's like range of out, you know, just like the potential of like what he's going to become. I mean, he's just going to be like Kenny Pickett or something to me. I don't know why. Right. Just, hey. just going to be like just a average quarterback. Jaden Daniels like either is going to be a bust or like pretty cool, like pretty fun to have. Yep. I'd rather just go with that, you know. I, I don't need another Mac Jones safe type of play, and then you know they totally burn me. You know, I, I've tried that game too many times where I'm gonna go for the safe quarterback. Um, so if I have a choice between like 
a really safe vanilla, you know, back end quarterback two type guy versus Jaden Daniels. I'd just probably just take Jaden Daniels. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the thing too that you know that JJ McCarthy. I mean, there's a case to be made for JJ McCarthy. Um, there's just a lot of data. Okay, um, Hayden Winks just posted something about JJ McCarthy because they were talking. You know, the the sort of the haters will say, okay, he played for this awesome team. And they didn't even ask him to do anything, right? That's the sort of the the negative slight on JJ McCarthy. And Hayden sort of was like, okay, first of all, this team wasn't losing ever at halftime. They weren't losing at halftime all year. So what the fuck were they gonna do? Like start airing it out, you know? So the game script sort of dictated that they didn't need to do that. And then he followed that up with a tweet that sort of said he had the lowest like screen. Uh, percentage in the uh, of all these quarterbacks so like most of his throws were these high leverage third down like need to have them throws anyway so like his efficiency stats are off the off the page and most of those were not sort of his volume wasn't you know a lot of the volume by some of these other guys were like these easy sort of under throws and like you know just like little crossing routes little sort of manufactured screen shit like he didn't have a lot of that to buoy his efficiency he made a lot of big time throws. If you pop in the tape, I will say, you watch. There's some big time, big league NFL throws this kid fucking makes. And on top of that, you know, I know I'm going to get roasted for this, but winning is a quarterback stat. Like, I guess my point is, is he didn't lose a single game for them. Uh, you know, whether winning is certainly losing is a fucking quarterback stat. Sometimes a quarterback can lose a game for his team. He did guide his team all the way to a national championship and made every play that was asked of him to do so. There's something there, man. I I, I don't know exactly what, but I, I feel like if you're going to make a safe play, you might as well just trade back and take J.J. McCarthy and pick up your profits. I, I don't mind that either. You know, I, I think that's a, a very, very viable, very option. Um I do think JJ McCarthy is going to go in the first round of most Superflex drafts as of right now. Right, yeah, I think that's I agree. Pretty, pretty chalk right now. Well, um, if he's a top ten pick, right? Chalk. I mean, he's of course he is, right? Oh yeah, of course he is. Yeah, but even even if he's just a first round pick, I feel like he's going to yeah. get pumped up into the first round. Um, you know, because after like Bowers and Adunze, like we talked about, it, it it kind of it's kind of open, right? I mean, for that last totally. back half of that first round, it's really open. Um, there's Detroit Franklin's, you know, that we talked about. McCarthy, you know, Drake May, you know, obviously Jaden Daniels is going to be in that mix, whether it's in the first half of that first round or the second half. Um, yeah, so a lot to be seen. I, I do like JJ McCarthy, but yeah, he, I feel like it is getting, he's getting steamed up quite a bit, like his other, his, t- his teammate that's probably going to get steamed up if he ends up in the Chargers. So someone else. To All right, watch guys, I got to ask. I got to ask. All right. You know, I've said it on, on Twitter a few times. My running back one. <clears throat> is Jonathan Brooks. And I say that pre-draft, pre-combine, pre-rookie draft, just to sort of say that I think that Jonathan Brooks is the best running back in this class. I'm not suggesting that, you know, his ADP should be the running back one in this class because I don't know what the injury discount, what the injury means. I'm just talking from a prospect standpoint. So now – Okay, Mr. Fucking Game Theory, let's hear your game theory behind what the hell are you going to do with Jonathan Brooks? What's going to happen here? What do you guys think about this sort of Jonathan Brooks situation? Do you agree with me about 
him being RB1, and what are we doing about it? Was take this because we talked about this literally last night after we got the phone with Jax. Uh, was yeah. you can take this and kind of summarize what we talked about. Yeah, no, I think one of the things that we talked about last night, Jax, was if you're not in love with anybody at the end of that first round, which I don't think, you know, when we were talking through it last night, that honestly any of us are, um, you know, that's where you're starting to see the Keons go. That's where you're starting to see the Ad, Ad Mitchells go. Um, at that point, I'm more than happy to just take Brooks there and look, go go with the year, whether he's out half the year, whatever it is. I just see too much from him from an analytics perspective. And, you know, I caught a few Texas games this year. Um, you know, I wanted to watch a lot of Quinn Ewers, but I ended up watching a lot of Jonathan Brooks. And yep. he the way he moves at, you know, 207, 210, um, he can really catch the ball. The thing that I really just love about him is he was top three in both missed tackles force per rush attempt and missed tackles force per reception. Um, he, he glides, man. He's got great hands. And I just feel like... If, if he doesn't have the ACL, and look, you can say running backs, ACL, we don't know. But, I mean, we've gotten quite a bit better at this, right, as far as them recovering from it. This guy's a surefire first-round pick, so take the injury discount and move on. Yeah. What do you think, Chuck? Yeah, so, I, you know, I think, I, think I, I like Jonathan Brooks as the RB1 in this class I and mean, for the exact same reasons that, you know, mentioned. You know, the injury discount is going to be great, I think. I see a lot of people steaming up or just being on uh, Braylon Allen as their RB1 in this class. And I think that's great news for us because, you know, I'm happy to play the game theory and watch Braylon Allen go first. I'm probably not going to trade up to go get Jonathan Brooks. I feel like if I have an early second round pick, he'll probably fall to me there. Um, I even see Trey Benson getting, you know, picked ahead of Jonathan Brooks in a lot of drafts as well. And it's probably because the name brand. I mean, I don't think Trey Benson is a big name brand, but... You know, I mean, I think it's a familiar name, right? That people are just like, hey, he's healthy, he's familiar. Um, you know, so I, I've, I've been seeing that as well. Once Braylon Allen goes, though, then I'm, I'm definitely getting ready, you know, and eager to, to draft Jonathan Brooks. As of right now, I do see him as like an extreme value at the 201-ish. Kind of all of like a De- Devon A-chain last year who was going in that same range, so. Here's the thing, like, <clears throat> if I have a late first, I'm going to be... I was listening to Dynasty Trades in Five, our friends over at uh, Destination Devi and Scott Connor and Shane Manila, the, all the boys over there. I really love what they do. Of course, they're friends and we're in leagues together. And great job, boys. Shout out. But I was listening to them talk and they were talking about um, a, a certain trade. And um, I think it was like the 109, the 112, and the 203 or something like that. This, this guy had. And and Scott was like, yeah, just trade two of those picks for a 25 first. And I was like, yeah. Like, I'll take any random 25 first over any of these late firsts, you know? Like, it, it, I think that the number one game theory here is that everything's so flat, including these running backs, because it's not like I love Jonathan Brooks that much more than even Trey Benson or, like, for us, J- I like Jalen Wright a lot. I don't know where you guys exactly have him. We looked at it a little bit, but I like really like J- Jalen Wright. Um, you know, the, the, you know, John Lobb had me going and then, and then his rankings, he has Jalen Wright further down. I mean, I think if he's going to like Jalen Wright, he should have him in the, in the top four, just a shot at J- John, John Lobb while he's not here to defend himself. Of course, I like doing that. Um, no, I'm joking, but you know, my point is I think he probably should move him up because I have him at like RB four or something like that. I'm, I'm fine with that. I think they're so flat there that 
I think Jonathan Brooks could get pushed down much further than you guys are even thinking right now. I think he could be like a late second, early third round pick come May, June, because what if he goes, what if he's like the fourth or fifth running back taken or even further back than that? Like you you talk Blake Corum, uh, you know, Trey Benson. What if he's like the sixth or seventh running back taken because the NFL doesn't want to draft an injured player. Like these GMs aren't going to be like, you know what? He's a good player. We're going to, you know, they, they don't give a, they need to win fucking week one. You know what I mean? The coaches and everybody, they're not going to want that injury discount. So if he falls, he's still the same player. That's what I'm getting at. So we can stay to this take that he's the best running back prospect. And then I'm praying in some ways that he kind of finds like a, a good landing spot, but is like the eighth running back taken in like the early third or something. I don't know, like somewhere in the third as the like fourth through eighth running back taken where his value will just be all fucking hidden for us to just scoop. And you don't even have to take him in the late first. Yeah, if we're drafting right now, I kind of agree with you guys. But I'm telling you right now, I really think there's a, a, a world in which none of that is, has to happen. And you can trade back. You can trade your 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 late first for a 25 first and still get Jonathan Books later and all this fucking shit. And it's going to be really cool. As it stands now, I agree with you guys, though. What do you think? Uh, dude, I mean, if that happens, I mean, I love it. I, I, would, not, yeah. I would not be against that. I mean, honestly, not, not against that at all. I just think it's realistic. What do you think, Wiz? Yeah, I... Chalk brought up a really good point when we were talking about this last night was, you know, if if you're in that 109 range and you have the ability to like move out and let's just I don't know if, you know, Brooks falls all the way to that third, but say you can move out from the 109 into like the 204, but also somebody falls in love with somebody at the 109 and you can pick up that 25 first if you toss them like a third. Right. Like that's something that like I think you're getting that a first round talent in Brooks in the second, and you're still picking up that asset, you know, into 25. Like that's the ideal scenario for me. Yes. Yes. I love yeah, that. Or even if you get like, addi- yeah, even if you get additional seconds, right. I'm going to go from 109 yeah. to 204. You give me an extra second and, you know, give me a third and you know, whatever, right. You just start like picking off a little pieces here and there. Uh, and then you still get your guy, right. Like that you're going to take at 110 or 111 anyways, right. You still yeah. get him. Um, and then you get the extra pick, right? And then you're taking another guy in the second round who, you know, who we've, you know, we've been talking, you know, we've been talking about a bunch of guys that could end up in the second round and, you know, looking good. So I, I definitely like that. Or you can pull the Jackson's favorite move, like, like you said, right? I'll trade back from the 109 to maybe the third, but give me a 25 first, right? And maybe you still go yeah. for Jonathan Brooks. You can even trade up from that, the third with another third and go into like the late yeah. second. Grab Jonathan Brooks and have that 25 first, right? So yep. there's a lot of flexibility there. I think, Jax, I think you're hitting it on the head. Just, you know, what the late first, you know, I think we've been talking about let's not move our early all top five first, but maybe even the back end first, hold it for a little bit longer because as things shake out, as people get excited about a prospect, they might they might do something kind of crazy like that, right? Which is not yeah, even that crazy. Right. It's oh hey, I'm gonna trade a 109 for a random 25 first. I'll do that any day. It's like I'm gonna be better than 109, but you don't know what's gonna happen, right? Like that one that 25 first might be a top three pick. You yeah. just don't know. Yeah. yeah, no, I love that. It's exactly right too. I think it's definitely gonna be, um, you know, the play will be to maneuver the board here because man, it's like a deep class. Like when we talk about the running backs, like um, let me just take a quick look. I've got my running back um, rankings up. 
don't know if you guys have yours up, but like, you know, I look at like, like for me, Braylon Allen is somewhere around RB eight. Um, I don't know where you guys, where you guys have him. I, I mean, here's the thing about Braylon Allen. Like, if you maybe remove the name, I don't know, man. Like, just the receptions are a problem for me. Like, he's just not a pass catcher. But man, oh man, was he good as a freshman too? Like, I'm I'm having a hard time with Braylon Allen. What What are your thoughts, Wiz? Because I think you've got you even sort of teased a little bit of Braylon Allen love or hate early in the show. What What are your thoughts about Braylon Allen? I'm more than happy to let everybody else draft Braylon Allen. And if if I'm wrong, yeah. I'm wrong. Um, but when I see, so I was taking a look at some of the missed tackles for stuff for both rushing and receiving, and the sample set here was 23. Right, I took 23 running backs that are you know likely in most conversations and from a missed tackles force per rush he came in at 17 and from a missed tackles force per reception he was 23rd out of 23rd right so not Mm. only is he not catching the ball when he's catching the ball he's really not doing much with it um and on top of that when i see a guy like Bucky Irving have better yards after contact than a guy like Braylon Allen like that's just I'll I'll pass on that guy yeah dude I'm with you it's so funny because like the early production is is telling you know I I was listening to JJ Zacharyson's pod and lord knows what I think about JJ and you all know that but um you know his model is trained to look at early college production rightfully so by the way and yeah, it sure. sort of identified Braylon as it's like running back one. The model did, not JJ. Um, and I wonder what he's going to have to think about that with some of these other sort of, you know, metrics. Because, yeah, I don't like him at all for a lot of those same reasons. What do you think, Chalk? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> doesn't have really pass catching upside. He's not elusive. Doesn't break tackles, you know, yards after contact. I mean... <sighs> Some of the things that do pop for him, right? Like he had that early production, right? He had like, you know, quite a bit of breakaway runs and he's a young prospect. But I think yep. these are the things that are the young, the, the breakaway runs, the, the production, the Wisconsin. I think that's like triggering these, you know, helmet scouts to be like, oh, this is the next JT. Like, oh, he's like so, so explosive. But then you start looking at the numbers like deeper and the missed tackles, again, the elusiveness, the, the yards after contact, those are not favorable at all. And I think those are the red flags that are really pointing us to showing that this is not the real deal. Like, don't right. don't get caught up in these counting stats. Don't get caught up in like this, you know, this kind of mistaken pedigree that we think it is, uh, yeah. because it, it's right. It's prevalent, right? There, there's there's this bias that we have towards players or towards programs or whatever it might be, right? And it, I I, just, I keep bringing it up because during this time of year this is when it's so dangerous to like fall into yeah. these traps of like, oh, he reminds me of this guy. So now, you know, I'm going to project that he's going to be this guy, this, that elite player, but that's not, that's not what this, that's not what Braylon Allen's production profile, his college profile is saying. Yeah. that was doing the, um, I was, I was doing the, the anatomy of, of, a, of an elite running back. And what was interesting about this year was the, all the players got smaller, right? Or the prototype definitely got small. It was the first time ever that I had this many players under, you know, 200 pounds. It's like crazy. First time or, or under 210. First time ever I had this many players, almost if any, under 30 BMI. I mean, usually it's like it was like CMC and barely like Aaron Jones was under 30 BMI. This year was like 
a bunch of guys, Kyron and A-Chain and Gibbs and da 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 But you know what didn't change? Even though the, the size got smaller, speed score. Speed score stayed. And, you know, so while we are looking at smaller backs, we're still looking at speed scores being a very uh, important metric for running backs. If you're big, you better move pretty well. And if you're small, you better be fast as fuck. You know what I mean? And so these small guys were fast. You know, I mean, obviously, Kyron's a little bit of an outlier there. And and for those reasons, he may be a one year wonder potentially, although we'll see about that. I'm I'm not all out on Kyron as some are. But point of the matter is, is that I think when we look at Braylon Allen, if he doesn't run fast, like I'm I'm not saying he has to be super fast, but he's a big dude. So we'll see what he measures in at and then what he runs. And I'm telling you, if he's not if he doesn't have a speed score that's worth a damn at his size, he's my he's my bet to fall out of the out of day two and to really tumble in everybody else's fantasy rookie rankings at running back. The other thing, just kind of jump, jumping off that last thing there, was like, look, if you're going to struggle with some elusiveness or catching the ball or something like that, you know, be good elsewhere. And him coming in, allowing the second highest pressure for any running back in 2023 out of this draft class, I mean, that's just it's just another red flag against him, right? Like, I heard you and Thor talking mm. about, you know, how does Kamani Vidal get on the field, right? And Braylon doesn't even have that option. And it's just it's it's tough. That's it's just another reason why. Dude, I'm, not dude, I'm gonna move Kamani Vidal over fucking Braylon <laughs> Allen in my rankings just on pure principle alone. Tell me about Kamani Vidal though. While while you've got your all the data up, like, and one other guy I want you to mention because there's two guys that are kind of like that. One is Kamani Vidal. The other is Frank Gore Jr. Both both guys played at a smaller school. I mean SMU probably I guess uh, Southern Southern Miss probably no that's not even SMU that yeah it is uh SMU and Troy right is that where they played Did I have that right so still smaller schools yep. but like tell me a little bit about these two guys because they sort of hit every metric really except for predicted draft capital but if these guys get any sort of capital and any sort of landing spot they kind of look like you know not not elite backs but closer to that than certainly Braylon Allen right yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I like about both those guys is that they do a number of they don't necessarily do anything exceptional. Right. But they do a number of things well. Um, and, you know, there is some shiftiness to Frank Gore Jr.'s game specifically. Um, you know, he came in at fifth best in Miss tackles force per rush attempt. Um, and I think he graded out as the second or third best pass blocker or pass protector from a running back position as well. Right. And, you know, we know Kamani's calling card is, you know, pass blocking his ability to kind of get on the field that way and make an impact in the receiving game, which is why I like those guys, right. Two, two guys that look, they're, they're going to do things that coaches are going to love to get them on the field. Um, and then one of the things that, you know, I've just been prioritizing the last couple of years is you've got to be able to catch the ball. And, and both these guys can do that a little bit. Yeah, I think there's going to be like well, right now. I mean, if you if you look at your rankings, I think you've already done them. I don't know if chalk if you've done yours yet, but like there's like 20 backs, maybe at least 20 that are like on my radar. And that's a lot, you know, so I don't know if there's going to be 20 running backs drafted. So, I mean, you never know how this is all going to shake out, but like there's probably going to be you know, 15 or so running backs with 
with relevance come May and June. Now I'm saying like fifth round picks, sixth round picks, guys who land in an interesting spot here and there, right? Just, just guys. And, you know, I'm not so sure you need to reach for any of these backs. I would, I, I think the NFL probably feels the same way. I've heard, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah was talking about how there could be a game of chicken at the running back position. Mm-hmm. There won't be a first round pick and there may not be a second round pick. If all of these NFL teams are just kind of like, because if you're picking, you can always trade up into the late second if you're an NFL team. You don't really need to take the first guy. Like you can just be like, oh, we'll let it, let it happen, let it happen, let it happen. Two, three backs go off the board, and you're like, you know, you have a four man like sort of tier of tier one running backs. You could probably get that guy in like early third or mid third or something like that. So it could be one of those situations where these backs, just because of the the texture of the class, sort of all like sort of fall and then there's like a run in like the third and fourth round because i would imagine that's also where a lot of these nfl teams have these guys graded right so they grade them as like a third round draft but you know they kind of do that thing so like i'm sure a lot of the nfl teams have a number of guys graded as like fourth round picks you know so i think there's going to be a run somewhere in that third fourth and fifth round of, of of the nfl for running backs and for that reason you know, I think there's going to be a lot of value in the third and fourth round of your rookie draft with these with these running backs. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a draft to load up um, quarterback, wide receiver. Obviously, you can get one of the elite two tight ends, and then just smash running backs for the rest of the of your rookie draft. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I mean, there's look, I, I kind of said it earlier, but really no exceptional names, but some interesting names, especially with the way the league's gone from a size perspective, seeing guys like Tajay succeed, seeing guys like James Mm. Cook succeed, seeing guys like Devon A. Chan succeed, um, you know, that lends credence to, you know, does Bucky Irving have a role? And he's a guy that I think is pretty interesting, but. Yes. Yeah. Bucky Irving, Jalen Wright, uh, very interesting guys. Marshawn Lloyd, right? Those guys, right? I love Marshawn. I love Marshawn Lloyd as a sneaky guy. Um, and, and I was talking to Wiz about um, Blake Corum. I mean, he's probably gonna land on the Chargers. At least that's yeah. what I think. Yeah. And wish casting. Yes. And once he does that, Maybe. it's gonna like he's gonna be all he's steamed RB1. up. He's gonna be like, yeah, right, 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 right. Like he's gonna be all steamed up, right, immediately. Um, He'll be the RB one scary late stat. Pick. Yep, uh, there was a scary stat that Hayden Winks put out that was like, you know, like ninety nine percent of his touchdowns were within like two yards or something. Like all of his yeah. touchdowns were basically a goal line. But hey. If that's if that's his role and like that's all he's getting is goal line touches and Justin Herbert offense with Harbaugh, I mean, sign me up, you know, <laughs> sign me up. Um, but yeah, Blake Corum going to uh, the Chargers would 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 break <laughs> break Twitter for sure. Yeah, for sure, it's happening. And and by the way, I yeah. I um I did the uh, anatomy of a uh, top twelve or whatever running back this uh, this week, and uh, it's I think it's going to drop here in a minute. Um, but um, the one player I didn't have on it that I wished I had on it is a player that I think Mr. Wiz is excited about. Mr. Wiz, can you guess who I don't have on the top 12 dynasty running back list for the anatomy, but I wish I did? Hmm. Let me take a look. Can you guess? Come on now. It, you know who it is. It's Can not we play Dylan the Jeopardy Lob, music? Can we play that? No, 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 no. I'm talking about um uh for top twelve dynasty running backs. The anatomy of the top top oh. twelve dynasty running backs right now. Oh yeah, Tajay Spears. 
There you go. That a boy. Tell yeah, the world yeah. why we love Tajay Spears, bro. I mean, I'm seriously, I can't say loud enough to go buy Tajay Spears at value right now. I think if you're paying RB2 prices for Tajay Spears, he has elite upside. Tennessee is likely to draft offensive line because they need offensive line. But even with that shitty offensive line, Tajay was outstanding last year. He was outstanding in college. What are some of the things that pop off the page for Tajay? And why we should why should we be targeting him right now in your um, startup drafts? Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why is it's I touched on it a few minutes ago, but it, I'm prioritizing pass catching backs, um, and for him to come out have an, an immediate role in the passing game, be you know a plus pass pro blocker as well. Um, I mean, he was taking snaps away from Henry as a rookie, right? So. I'm seeing everybody say, look, they can bring in somebody, they can draft somebody. The reality is that Tajay Spears got decent draft capital for an RB in this day and age. Third round pick, 81 overall, especially with this draft class. Like, I have a hard time believing that they're taking a running back higher than they took him. So at worst, he's probably 1A, right? And with his profile of that pass catching um, and those, you know, if you kind of look at weighted opportunities, he's a guy I love. Now, look, he's gotten a little bit expensive now. Um, yep. but I, I do think that that upside is definitely fringe RB one and maybe even a bit higher. What was the, uh, mm-hmm. what was the, what was the stat, um, miss forced, missed tackles forced per rush. And then tell the fine people about his missed forced tackles per reception. Yeah. So his college career, uh, 0.625 missed tackles force per reception. Um, he'll make you miss in a phone booth. And yeah. Yeah. And you saw saw flashes of that his rookie year. What was Tony Pollard's missed tackles forced? Do you have that by any chance? Just curious, like, because I guess I'm zero, 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 zero. Well, well, I mean, I mean, let's 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 think about it from like 2022 production, Tony Pollard. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, everything that Wiz was saying, like, I'm nodding my head, but also I'm thinking, man, this sounds like Tony Pollard in 2022 going to 2023, right? True. So that's yeah. I'm a little bit hesitant on, dude. We we've seen this kind of song and dance, but I'm not saying that it's gonna be like that. We saw Rashad White. I love this obviously question. Do Whittigal. Right. No, but I love the question. Is, is, Chalk is you right out of money because, like, is there a cautionary tale Tony Pollard Spider Man meme Tajay Spears? Right. <laughs> maybe. Right. I maybe. Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears. Tony Pollard Gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if it, look, if I were to push back on one part of that, it would be that Tajay's not coming off a broken leg. Right, so like there, there is part of he's that. Just coming off, but he's um, just coming off no knees. He's just coming off no, no kneecaps. Is also well, no, that that comes later, Chalk. That comes later. Yeah, he'll ju- he'll break down like Gurley in a couple later. of years, yeah. but we, yeah, he's here for a short time and a good time, not a long time. There we go. <laughs> hey, it sounds like it sounds like me tonight. It sounds like me tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, like honestly, the uh, Michael P. Duncan's got some work to do in post because. Poor fucking uh, Wiz had like a little bit of a delay. And some of the times he'd be like 12 seconds after I'm done talking, he he then hears it because his internet is slow where he lives, you know, 
we're going to have to upgrade him, Chalk. I mean, now that he's really done a great job on this pod, we can uh, spend a few bucks and get him uh, – we can get him off the dial-up. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we, we, we got me off the uh, the dial-up fo- uh, microphone over here, so you know, maybe we can help Wiz out with his internet connection. Yeah, C- CMFK liked the fact that you had the heavy bass on your uh, microphone the last couple shows. He's been sitting on his phone while you talk. <laughs> That's all thanks to Michael P. Duncan, right? He, uh, the magic, <laughs> the magic right. audio man, right? Gets us dialed in. That's right. That's right. Wiz, great job tonight. We're gonna call it, baby. We're gonna let the people go out on a, on a Tajay Spears upside. If you do have the uh, Tony Pollard stuff in front of you, you can say it. Otherwise, you can just tell people look it up them damn selves. Just go to my Delay. Twitter, and you you guys will find it there tomorrow. Yeah. Ooh, there's a there's a tweet. I love that. He's gonna tweet it out. He's going to give you that's there you go. That's that's the boy. He's going to give you the the Tony Pollard Ajay Spears corollary gremlin corollary uh, on his Twitter, which is going to be tell them where they can find your awesome work. Your your the whiz underscore FFB. Tell them where they can find you. Say hello to the people. Thanks for being on, buddy. No, guys, thanks for having me. Uh, Delay and all, it was a blast doing this with you guys. Um, again, been a huge fan of you both for a long time, so it was a lot of fun to talk ball. And, um, yeah, looking forward to just kind of going through prospect season with you and all the listeners here. Yeah, thank you so much. Chalk, anything to say before I let, let it all go? No, I mean, uh, Wiz, you know, uh, great having you on. Great great chopping it up. Um, you know, obviously, uh, like we like we mentioned before, it's just, you know, this is this extension of our phone calls that we've been having. So it's been great. Just, just collaborating and, and mind melding with you and, and Jax, uh, Jax, you know, of course, you know, thanks for having me on again. I always feel like just smarter and challenged every time I stop by and, and we, we, um, you know, we spar a little bit and you challenge some of my thoughts and process. Uh, so always, always appreciate that. Yeah, man, we got the combine coming up next week. That's always fun. And, you know, for us, us three, that's a really big one. I mean, you know, just even the the sort of the the, the noise uh, from the combine is great. Um, we get more data to plug in. Like it's just more of all that. Um, you guys heard about the listener league. I gave away the half of the secret code to get into the listener league. Hopefully, you were listening for that earlier in the show. More on that next week. Um, you know, the YouTube channel. Go smash that. It's actually pretty cool. A um, lot of cool shows, more coming, you know, obviously give us some, some love on the YouTube channel, go subscribe, you know, go rate and review our stuff. Like if you love us, just, you know, let it show, man. Um, you guys have done that. We are so appreciative. I am so appreciative of everything that, that sort of comes our way in terms of support. Um, you know, there's just so much love out there. And, and so for that, I really want to thank all the listeners. So thank you so much, man. You guys are unbelievable. Um, and with that on behalf of everybody here at the undroppables on behalf of everybody here at the undrafted and on behalf of a very busy Mr. Michael P. Duncan, you have been joined by chalk and gremlin whiz. I am Jax Falcone and we are out. Out.